Thank you, Dr. Ruin. Thank you to Dr. Coleman and Dr. Leonard for the invitation, and congratulations to Dr. Ruin for a great session and great talks. Um, today I'm going to speak about who should get CAR-modified T-cell therapy for relapsed and refractory diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. This is my disclosure slide, including um, honoraria from companies that have had uh, CAR T-cell products approved, as well as research funds. The outline of the talk is really what are the indications and who should get a CAR-modified T-cell in 2019, including the FDA products, as well as reviewing some data from real-world experience uh, at a multicenter level. Another question that, that comes up in clinical practice is, are CAR T-cells safe or efficacious for central nervous system secondary lymphoma? What about the role of CAR T-cell in potentially consolidating a remission? And then, are CAR T-cells really the patient's final therapy? Is, is this a therapy that we infuse a CAR T-cell, put our hands in our pockets, and, and hope? And then some summary and considerations at the end. So I'm just going to briefly review the clinical data from two prospective studies that have garnered FDA approval for CAR-modified T-cells. This is Axi-Captagene Cellulosal studied in the Zuma-1 study. Axi-Cell is a um, CAR-modified T-cell that targets CD19 with an SCFE that's engineered to a CD28 co-stimulatory molecule conjugated to the business end of a T-cell receptor. Um, the investigators, uh, including Dr. Nilapu, outlined that the Scholar 1 data set, uh, which was a retrospective data set from uh, um, a multicenter uh, effort, revealed uh, an overall response rate of a patient population that has received at least two lines of therapy of 26% and a median overall survival of 6.6 months. So the phase 1B into phase 2 uh, single treatment study was eventually divided into two cohorts, including relapsed refractory DLBCL and relapsed refractory primary mediastinal large cell and transformed follicular lymphoma. You can see the primary endpoint in the phase 2 was uh, overall response rate with uh, key secondary endpoints, including overall survival. This is the consort diagram of the Zuma-1 study. As you can see, 111 patients were enrolled and 101 patients were treated. All patients received standard cyclophosphamide fludarabine uh, um, lymphodepleting chemotherapy prior to infusion as per prescribed on the protocol. Axicel was infused at 2 times 10 to the 6 CAR T cells per kilogram. Um, this is, was a multicenter effort with 22 sites. And um, Kite Gilead would like to uh, highlight that there was a 17-day average turnaround time in manufacturing. So here are the primary endpoint uh, data. Um, looking at DLBCL as well as the secondary cohort of transformed follicular lymphoma and PMBL, I would like to draw your attention to the combined data looking at, uh, or reporting a CR rate of 54% and overall response rate that exceeded 80%. Here are the Kaplan-Meier curves as of uh, Lugano 2017. This has been updated in the New England Journal of Medicine as well as Lancet Oncology most recently this year with a follow-up exceeding 24 months. But at the time of this presentation, you can see that patients that achieve a complete remission, there is uh, some durability that has been demonstrated in subsequent publications with a tail on the curve in a small subset of patients, approximately a third or less. But I do want to point out that the, the patients that achieve a maximal response of a partial remission, you can see the fall off immediately following month number one, uh, which was the first uh, end of treatment restaging as prescribed by the protocol. These are the data that garnered the FDA approval, looking at uh, overall survival benefit compared to the retrospective Scholar 1 data set. You can see 
a significant overall survival uh, improvement in comparing the prospective Zuma 1 study to the retrospective Scholar 1 data set. When looking at covariates uh, in terms of six-month PFS rates, as you can see, none of them came out to be significant. There may be a small signal in patients with bulky disease uh, as defined by greater than or equal to 10-centimeter tumor mass, but that was a very underrepresented patient population. But as you can see, none of these came out in univariate analysis. A secondary analysis that was presented at ASCO in 2018 by Dr. Locke uh, the Zuma 1 investigators split uh, the, the patient groups into um, tumor mass or tumor volume as measured by some of perpendicular diameters into four quartiles, and you can see there's a steady decrement in uh, durable remissions in, with, with regard to increasing tumor volume uh, in the third and fourth quartiles. There were two important presentations at the ASH meeting in 2018, nearly a year ago, looking at the quote-unquote real-world experience, largely at large academic medical centers uh, with axicaptogene silalusil that uh, was the first to be FDA-approved. This is a presentation by Dr. Nastapil at uh, MD Anderson and the Zuma One, uh, many of the Zuma One investigators and in participating sites. This was abstract number 91. The court's consort diagram on their uh, retrospective analysis, as you can see, 295 patients were leukophorist, uh, uh, of which a large fraction of them actually underwent treatment, 274 um, with uh, axicaptogene So in the spirit of the modified intention-to-treat population, uh, as was analyzed on Zuma-1 and the other uh, Phase two studies, they, they note a denominator of 274 patients analyzed by modified intention-to-treat. Of note, in this uh, standard of care axicel cohort, 40-plus percent of the patients would not have been eligible for Zuma-1 based largely on performance status as well as organ function. But as you can see, in comparison between the, the two patient, uh, in comparing the two groups of the Zuma-1 study, a prospective study with the standard of care uh, uh, on-label commercial patients, there was really no uh, difference in toxicities. Of note, the standard of care patients received a, a significantly greater fraction of steroids uh, once the signal of, of la or lack of signal of uh, decrement to the efficacy of the product with steroids on Zuma-1. There were a lot more steroids administered, and I'm not presenting that data today, but as you can see, there was no real difference in safety with the real-world group compared to uh, the prospective Zuma-1 study. This, uh, these investigators looked at covariates that were associated with ongoing CR at three months. Of note, the median follow-up for this uh, retrospective study was about four months in patients uh, or survivors. As you can see, uh, performance status, bulk, and whether or not you would have been eligible for Zuma-1, which was largely enriched for patients with poor performance status, came out uh, in the univariate analysis. These data have not been published in manuscript form as of yet. Here's the PFS and OS for the, um, the real-world group that was presented within this abstract, again, with very short follow-up, but you can see the, the, um, the, the nature of the Kaplan-Meier curves. A second uh, real-world uh, presentation at ASH last year was a, a smaller group of patients, just over 100, with, um, a, again, a multi-center effort, largely uh, with centers in Boston as well as Others, including Ohio State and the University of Chicago, looking again at axicaptogene silalusil in the real-world population. 
This was 104 patients treated at a multicenter level, and this group wanted to uh, define which groups were predicted to do poorly or have a poorer prognosis with axicaptogene silalusil. What they did note was day zero CRPs, of which many of our centers are drawing inflammatory markers in series, uh, given the correlation largely with toxicity, as well as the absolute uh, lymphocyte counterphoresis was predictive of uh, poor um, uh, durable response in univariate analysis. They also looked at the CRP at time of uh, reinfusion as well as the peak ferritin. And, and as you can see in the two curves in the, in the center of the slide, there was a significant difference in PFS in terms of patients who were, quote-unquote, more inflamed with either a CRP of greater than 30 or a peak ferritin of greater than 5,000. I would argue or uh, suspect that this is related to uh, disease characteristics. There was an analysis two years ago um, uh, on the Transcend study, which is the JCAR-17 study sponsored by Juno Celgene uh, with the drug now uh, lysocaptogene Merilusil, looking at predictors of um, the durability of response and early follow-up. All of these uh, variables were found to be significant in terms of uh, response rates with the exception, interestingly, of the sum of, predictor, uh, the, sum of the perpendicular diameters and tumor volume. But as you can see, many of these pro-inflammatory markers that are measured in series were predictive prior to lymphodepleting chemotherapy for actual response, as well as LDH. The second product that's been approved um, following exocaptogene silalusil is tusagen like lusil, which is the product originally uh, developed at the University of Pennsylvania. This, in contrast to exocaptogene, this uh, car-modified T-cell product has a 4-1-BB co-stimulatory domain in conjunction with uh, the T-cell, uh, the zeta chain of the T-cell receptor and the SCFE that recognizes CD19 as a tumor-associated antigen. The Juliet, this is the Juliet study consort diagram. Um, the patient characteristics on the right, again, in comparison to the axicaptogene silalusil study, both studies required patients to have an ECOG performance status of zero to one. Most of, the state, most of the patients were advanced stage, and nearly half the patients had undergone a previous autologous transplant. I do want to highlight in the consort diagram that 165 patients were enrolled to study, and 111 actually received tisogen like lucil through their vein. Um, again, this was analyzed by modified intention to treat, where 111 patients existed within the denominator and generating overall response rates in PFS and OS. Uh, and so one could argue that this was not a true uh, intention-to-treat uh, analysis. Here are the Kaplan-Meier curves for all patients treated on study. Again, um, 111 patients. And you could see the Kaplan-Meier curve for overall survival for patients that actually achieved a CR with occasional late events uh, uh, after 12 months. This is the most updated data that's been presented to date. The Juliet investigators did look at... Uh, covariates in terms of prediction of overall response rate. I do want to highlight that there seemed to be somewhat of a signal, although not significant, in, in subset analysis for patients that had both refractory disease to the last line of therapy as well as tumor volume. So the current state of the science is that these two products, in addition to uh, lysocell or lysocaptogene merilusil, are being investigated, as Dr. Sen pointed out, in 
uh, one further line of therapy. Uh, proximal in the rela- first relapse refractory setting in randomized phase three studies compared to standard of care platinum-based salvage followed by autologous transplant in patients that achieve a chemotherapy-sensitive remission. This is a relevant question in comparing the Kaplan-Meier curves of both of AxiCell as well as Tisagen-Lec-Lucil compared to the prospective coral investigation, which was random assignment, RICE versus RDHAP and first relapse refractory diffuse large B-cell lymphoma with patients proceeding to transplant um, that achieved a chemotherapy-sensitive remission. So this is a completely irrelevant question. Uh, The Zuma-7 study was the first to complete accrual, and the other two studies are ongoing. So a a frequent practical clinical question is a patient that has progression of disease with secondary central nervous system lymphoma. Are carbonified T-cells safe and effective? This is a presentation by Dr. Abramson at the ASCO meeting this year. This is data of nine patients on the Transcend study, which is the JCAR-17 Junocell gene product in tabular form. As you can see, most of the CNS involvement, which is the fifth, sixth column to the right, uh, patients had leptomeningeal disease as opposed to uh, poor prognosis, deep parenchymal disease. But most importantly, and has always been a question to us as, as CAR T-cell practitioners, is with the advent of unique neurologic toxicity, was there going to be more toxicity with, with disease that's um, localized to the central nervous system? In this small group of nine patients, that did not appear to be so. As you can see in the second column, looking under treatment, emergent adverse events. There was one patient of nine that had uh, uh, neurologic toxicity. Again, this is with a uh, 4-1-DB product, which appears to have less neurologic toxicity compared to a CD28 co-stimulatory domain that uh, exists with the axicaptogene psilolucil product. There's been a second publication that's been peer-reviewed and published in Blood this year, looking at eight patients who had secondary central nervous system lymphoma and received Tisagen-Leclucil, again, a 4-1-BB product, um, at, at, at a single center, uh, um, or sorry, a multi-center effort from the investigators in Boston. This is published by Matthew Fergalt, looking at eight cases. Four of the eight patients had uh, a response, and importantly, no patient experience greater than uh, one event of neurotoxicity. So in aggregation, obviously, this is 17 patients and, and, and not much uh, experience, but the early signal, importantly, with the 41 BBB product is there may not be or there potentially may not be uh, um, uh, enhancement of neurologic toxicity for disease that's centered within the central nervous system. What about the question, especially in light of more effective um, second salvage therapies or investigational agents or recently approved agents uh, for patients being bridged to CAR-modified T-cells? What if you have a patient that actually achieved a complete remission while the CAR T-cell is being manufactured, which has come up in clinical practice? This is a nine, sorry, eight patient uh, series from the Juliet investigators where bridging therapy was allowed in contrast to the Zuma 1 study where no bridging therapy was allowed, wherein nine patients actually achieved a complete remission to bridging therapy and they had Tisagen like Lucil then infused on study. At the time of this presentation, which was last year at ASH, uh, all patients had maintained a complete remission with two patients um, having been censored. This has now been published in Blood Advances, and I believe there have been two progressors. But this is the first real, these are the first real data suggesting that patients receiving Tisagen like Lucil could potentially be consolidated in complete remission, and this has informed our decision at times in the clinic. 
Importantly, this has not been shown with axicaptogene silalusol or has at least not been presented or published. So our CAR-19 or CAR T-cells, the last line of therapy for patients with relapsed refractory diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. The group in Seattle looked at patients who have failed CAR T-cells and the, the clinical course thereafter. And you could see that patients both with early and late progression, late progression being defined by 30 days following uh, CAR-modified T-cell infusion, the, uh, the median overall survival is not surprisingly quite short. Important considerations and important uh, clinical findings that we're seeing in the clinic in patients that both achieve a remission or fail CAR T-cells is significant cytopenias that has been well described in a recent publication in BMT, post-CAR modified T-cells, including significant neutropenia as well as thrombocytopenia. So this can be a real conundrum in a patient that maintains adequate performance status, potentially has low volume disease, progresses through CAR T-cells, and then you're dealing with cytopenias in trying to get patients onto the next clinical trial or to the next therapy. So as a transplanter, I feel like I have to represent allogeneic transplant. This is contemporary data, uh, combined effort from the European Bone Marrow Transplant Registry as well as the CIBMTR, the Center for International Blood and Marrow Transplant Research Registry, looking at allogeneic transplant by three donor sources, match sub donors, match unrelated donors, and haploidentical donor sources, which are becoming much more accepted and in vogue with longer uh, clinical follow-up in the post-transplant cyclophosphamide era. And what you can see here is the progression-free and overall survival is approaching 50% in these patients. Again, these are largely retro this is all retrospective data and largely likely selected patients. Um, and then the third curve is uh, GVH-free relapse or, re relapse or progression-free survival, so patients who are actually progression-free and without significant graft-versus-host disease. In this data set, nearly half the patients had a complete remission going into allogeneic transplant, and approximately a third had a PR. So I, th I think that becomes a question when, when we look back at the, the patients who achieve a partial remission to CAR-modified T-cells, and the clinical question becomes, what do you do with those patients in a PR at day plus 30? So who should actually get CAR T-cells? I believe that this is still the best therapy available in, in patients with second uh, relapsed or refractory disease, especially considering that there may be a small fraction that have curability to the therapy. So I would say per FDA label. Emerging prognostic variables that are coming out, not surprisingly, tumor bulk, and then performance status and pro-inflammatory markers pre-treatment, which I believe are likely surrogates to tumor biology and tumor volume. The unique clinical situations that, have, that do have some data, although largely very limited, include CNS disease as well as consolidating and complete remission both with products that uh, have a 4-1-BB co-stimulatory molecule and the consolidation in CR only with TCGEN like Lucil that's been presented. And then I, I didn't present these data, but there is uh, experience with post-allo um, post transplant CAR-modified T-cells, both on a prospective study uh, from the NIH uh, with Dr. Brudno and Kokendorfer, where donors were actually leukapheresis and CAR T-cell products were generated and we actually had a recent report in leukemia looking at four patients post-allogeneic transplant that got CAR-modified T-cells. It doesn't appear to, to have um, uh, complications such as risk of graft-versus-host disease in these patients. So post-CAR-19 considerations, I think, when we're looking at a patient in clinic and deciding what to do, 
We know that 80% of the patients respond to this therapy, at least on the prospective studies. Sadly, less than a third of those are, are durable. So it's always kind of eye-opening to patients and families, uh, given the excitement around this modality of therapy, that the likelihood is that they're going to fail this therapy. Uh, but I do believe it's the best we have. From both the prospective studies and the FDA-approved products, approximately 40% of the PRs at the one-month uh, PET scan, which was dictated on study, convert to a CR. But that leaves a large fraction of patients that are going to achieve a PR at one month and eventually progress. I personally think that this is a, a ripe patient group or, or, or group that is ripe for investigation, such as injunctive therapy with checkpoint inhibitors, other immune active agents, or potentially allogeneic stem cell transplant. Uh, we have to be mindful of post-carcytopenias. Uh, and then, once again, a plug in, is that in registry series, as well as many single-center studies, approximately 50% of patients are cured with allogeneic stem cell transplant, with the vast majority of those patients in at least some semblance of a remission at the time of allogeneic transplant. Uh, thank you.